Hello and welcome to the Paperclip podcast. I'm Meher Sharma of the Observer Research Foundation and in this podcast we are going to take a look together at the stories that matter to India and the world. Hello, I'm Meher Sharma of the Observer Research Foundation and welcome to my Paperclip podcast. On Paperclip, we look at the stories together that matter for you and me, for India and the world. But we look at these stories not the way that the headlines in the morning paper express them but through research and the cutting edge commentary around the world that informs ORF's own research we explain what really lies behind these stories and on this week's paper clip we're going to look not at the united states where the eyes of the world have turned at this historic moment but at its great and growing rival the people's republic of china there's a simple reason for this choice the choice to look at the PRC right now and one that goes to the heart of what we do at paperclip which is to look at the vital stories that you're missing if you're only following the headlines in democratic societies like india's or the united states the national trajectory is set every 4 or 5 years by elections as we in democracy say elections have consequences in authoritarian countries like the people's republic on the other hand it is harder to tell when these trajectories shift sure we know that a major change is underway in china when one paramount leader gives way to another the way that deng xiaoping gave way to jiang zemin who stepped aside for hu jintao was eventually succeeded by the current party leader xi jinping that had begun to happen at 10 year intervals like clockwork but xi jinping has no intention of giving way in turn so we have to look for other shifts and discover these other ritualized moments where this tightly controlled polity signals a shift in its priorities and that is what has happened recently through the third plenary session of the 18th central committee of the communist party of china right let me spend a short while explaining why that word salad you just heard mattered You see the CCP like its various leninist forebears has a complex internal hierarchy with multiple decision making bodies to give the impression that it is transparent inclusive and democratic of course that's not true the decisions are taken typically at the top but some of those decision making bodies are at specific moments in time more important than others The Central Committee of the CPC, one such decision-making body, has a plenary session, a central session every year, in which 350 of the party's highest bosses from around the country get together in Beijing's historic Jinji Hotel, a hotel which is run by the Chinese military and where even the telephone operators are soldiers, female soldiers, sexism being what it is in Asia, but still soldiers. At the CPC's plenary sessions, the decisions taken by the country's highest leaders and in recent years increasingly by xi jinping himself are forced to meet the constraints and requirements expressed by those few hundred men who will be tasked to implement those decisions the communique that emerges therefore is usually one of the best indications we get of the prc's actual policy directions going forward the equivalent of a winning political party's election manifesto in a democratic country this year's plenary session is the fifth 
for the current, which is the 18th, Central Committee of the CCP. And fifth plenums are usually tasked with filling in the direction of the five-year plan, which outlines China's national development priorities. Remember, we in India also used to have plans which did a similar job, setting out the economic development priorities of the country. We no longer have them. China still does. Now, naturally, this group of people at the plenary don't actually set the priorities. Xi Jinping already has, nor are they formally approving it. That comes from one of the other rubber stamp assemblies of party men. But this communique is nevertheless one of the best indicators that we're going to get about what China's leadership thinks about its own economy and about the PRC's place in the world. Okay, so that is a pretty lengthy prologue. But when it comes to the PRC, separating genuinely important occasions and statements from all the other bureaucratic and ceremonial stuff that clutters up the headlines is not easy. And identifying such moments is crucial if you don't want to be deceived. Now, to get to what we actually learned from the Fifth Plenum. First, we learned that Xi Jinping thinks that he has achieved a key promise made by his predecessors, Hu Jintao and Wen Jiabao, to the Chinese people. They promised when they took office at the turn of the century that China by 2020 would be a moderately well-off society. This target, a moderately well-off society, then tended to get reiterated in multiple different official statements alongside three other goals. It is not there in this communique from the fifth plenum. Because, clearly, Xi Jinping would like his subjects to think it has been achieved. As with other such leaders across the world, the actual quantitative content of this target is not easy to pin down. Is it about the size of the middle class? Or about eliminating absolute poverty? Is it about doubling China's per capita income? Is it about fixing inequality, creating a social safety net? These have changed at various different points. Xi Jinping, writing in the state-controlled press in, on June the 1st of this year, claimed that this target had in fact been effectively achieved. And now that achievement, that claim of achievement, has been written into the directives associated with the next five-year plan. Second, what has it been replaced with? With, within quotes, building a great modern socialist country. Oh, okay. So that sounds just like any other boilerplate phrase from any other leader wearing a suit in front of a red flag, right? No, not quite. Thanks to a speech given by Xi in 2017, we know what this phrase actually means. It means that the PRC's conception of itself has changed. Xi Jinping said in that 2017 speech that since the beginning of the modern era, the country had endured considerable hardship. But in the words of a Nikkei report of the speech, the time to stand up and simply aspire to wealthier lives is over. And the people have reached a point to leap toward greater power. The PRC must be the focal point of the world and in the course of the next decades, must lead the world in terms of the composite national strength and international influence. In other words, the communique has made it clear that the primary purpose of policy and of development in the People's Republic of China 
is no longer its domestic prosperity. It is its international greatness, its international influence, and embedding the centrality of China in the world. The Middle Kingdom is back. This would require the People's Republic to become not just the manufacturing leader that it is today, but also an innovation leader, an ideological leader, and, of course, a military leader. All of these aims are not exactly within reach for Beijing at the moment. But we do have a sense, through this communique in particular, of how they intend to achieve those aims. In subsequent episodes of the Paperclip, we're going to come back to these ideological innovation targets that are buried within the text of this communique and how they fit into the broader geopolitical scenario. But to round off this week's Paperclip, we're going to look just very briefly at the military targets and how they're being set and what they mean. We do know something from this communique about the Beijing leadership's new and aggressive mindset. Several people have remarked on the fact that this communique uses a phrase not heard in any of its equivalents, previous iterations of uh, plenary communiques, since the days of the Cultural Revolution, those chaotic days in the late 1960s. And what's this phrase? This phrase is, prepare for war. A phrase with many cultural connotations in China, something that dates back to Confucian sort of era in literature, but something that has, since the Cultural Revolution, occupied a very specific location in the mindset that demonstrates aggressiveness. Just in the last few weeks, Xi Jinping visited a marine base off the South China Sea and told them to focus your minds and energy on preparing for war and maintain a high state of alert. So, in other words, we have a more bellicose PRC, one with a hair-trigger military, super-alert, hyper-alert military of the sort not seen since the period of the 1970s when it was first brought into the international system by the US. This is not just something one needs to pick up between the lines. It is now a direct instruction. It is the first time that such explicit military goals and directives have been put into a communique that is usually a list of development priorities. So, what's the target? What's the aim? The goal is, within quotes, a fully modern army by 2027. 2027 being the centenary of the establishment of the People's Liberation as a scrappy bunch of communist guerrillas. Essentially, Beijing wants its military to match America's by 2027. Now, that's a tall order. Many of us would say it's impossible, not just by 2027, but indeed by 2037. But here's what's crucial. Unlike the US, the PRC is not truly a world power yet and won't be for the next 10 years. It does not have military interests spanning the globe the way the US currently does. So it needs just the ability to match the US in a single geography. According to Junfei Wu, deputy head of the Hong Kong-based think tank, the Tianda Institute, basically the target is to build the PLA's capability to match the US Army by 2027 so it can effectively deter interference by the U.S. Army around the Taiwan Strait. Essentially, even Beijing knows that the best it can hope for is local neighborhood deterrence. For the PRC's neighbors, this goal in itself, by itself, must be contested. 
local deterrence of U.S. intervention means that the PRC will be, on a bilateral level, be able to dominate each and every one of its neighbors, not just Taiwan, but Japan, Korea, and yes, India. For those who live in the PRC's neighborhood, the reconfiguration of Beijing's development policies to serve this military goal should be a deeply worrying event. And one that, if we are honest, all of us must recognize we cannot defend against, except with ever tighter alliances. In the coming weeks, with maybe one or two detours towards the United States, we're going to keep on following what this communique means for Beijing's directions going forward and what it means for the response of other countries in Beijing's neighborhood, for the US and for India. But that's all for now. This has been Paperclip, and I'm Mehir Sharma. Thanks for listening.